Okay, so this morning, my good friend JC is getting ready to share with us. Um, yeah, JC went to UNT. Uh, we were students together, so five years ago? I don't know. She went to UNT, um, and she used to go to Denton North here. Now she's on staff with Focus at Collin. And so we were just really excited to have her back. Um, so, yeah. Kind of a guest speaker, kind of not. Um, but yeah, once she gets her mic situated, she'll be up here. Um, and yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and pray for her. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would, um, yeah, that your presence um, would be felt here and that we would um, hear from you today through JC and that you would um, calm any maybe nerves she has or anything like that, but just that um, she would be confident in the words that you've given her to um, share with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can y'all hear me? Cool, cool, cool. Okay, hey guys. I am like notoriously bad at dealing with these mics, so, you know, anything could happen. I'm sorry in advance. Uh, You know, I don't even know if it's on right, but you can hear me. I don't care how it looks, whatever. (sighs) Okay. I'm JC. <laughs> I went here. The last time I was here was four years ago. That's a long time, it feels like, but honestly, it's probably not actually that long in retrospect. Um, yeah, but it's really just an honor to be here with you guys and see familiar faces and new faces. And yeah, it's just weird, but I really am so honored and to be here um, during your last week at this building. I remember the first one. Vaguely, um, like a little bit. I don't think I was like the best church member when I went here, but um, it really was a sweet and special time. And I just remember Leslie and Brad's sermons teaching me more than I ever knew I could learn at a church. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm really excited to be here with you guys. Um, I love the uh, series you're going through. I'm excited to be part of that. Um, So today, I'm going to be teaching from Jeremiah 18, 1 through 11. So, you know, however long it takes you to get there, I don't know. Take your time, because I'm going to talk first for a few minutes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I just want to cover some background of Jeremiah first. Jeremiah was a prophet, which simply meant he had a word from God to someone. And in this case, he was speaking to the Israelites, specifically the tribe of Judah, which was the largest and most influential of the time, um, yeah, of all of the tribes of Israel. Um, And I know you guys have been jumping all over the Old Testament the last couple months now, Um, so I just briefly want to run through the narrative, like where Jeremiah lands in this story. Um, The Israelites were led out of Egypt by Moses, and eventually after a really long journey. They inherited a promised land from the Lord where God gave them very specific instructions for how to live there. But years and generations went by and they repeatedly ignored those instructions and gave into evil desires like sacrificing children, um, sexual sin, worshiping idols, and just so much more that went against what God had intended for his creation. So God used Jeremiah and other prophets to warn Israel of God's judgment and to offer them a chance to repent, um, to turn away from their disobedience and turn to God. Now, this message was specifically for, I'm so sorry, (laughs) for the Israelites at the time. But in this day, anyone who calls Jesus Lord belongs to God. It's not exclusively for the Israelites. Um, So I think that this message can very well apply to those of us who are seeking after God's character and want to know him better. And I think this message is packed, or this passage is packed with messages that each of us need to hear. Um, Now, I don't know many of you personally, so this next statement might come off a bit abrasive, but let me be clear that I'm saying we because I am not blameless. Um, by any means, but we are prideful and selfish people on the daily. Um, And sure, maybe we aren't worshiping other gods um, 
or sacrificing children, but maybe we are loving money or relationships or political ideals, um, maybe even ourselves just in general before we pursue God himself. So Jeremiah is an entire book. Oh no, I need to organize. It's an entire book um, of warning the Israelites to submit to God um, and not rebel. And he, he truly understood the relationship between sin and its consequences. But I think something really special about the book of Jeremiah that I personally am drawn to is um, just how tender his heart is. Um, he's often referred to as the weeping prophet because throughout the book he's deeply saddened and affected by the ways his brothers and sisters are acting out against God. So I think that that just goes to show that he really cared about the people he was speaking to, and I'm thankful for such a compassionate book to communicate such a really hard message. Um, and not to, like, spoil the story for you guys, but God did bring judgment on Israel after this um, by destroying Jerusalem and exiling them from the land he had given them because they didn't listen to the prophets and change. Um, so he wasn't, like, playing around with the words that he gave them. He took it seriously, but he still didn't let sin have the final word. That's really good news. And he was faithful by sending Jesus and didn't abandon his people or go against his word. So I'm not trying to, like, this is not going to be a message of, like, you guys are all sinners, whatever. That's not what I'm trying to do. I might maybe hit on, like, some sin on occasion, but that's not the goal. Um, but my main goal is to highlight three aspects of God and his character and just how valuable I think those things are and how that is really good news in the Old Testament that we get to see. So I'm going to break up the text in the three different chunks, um, and each one has just a point about God's character. God is the best potter. God is the most powerful, and God is filled with grace. And I'm going to talk about what it tells us about God and then what it means for his people. So now we can go to the passage, Jeremiah 18, 1 through 11. And yeah, I'm going to read through all of it, and then we'll break it up. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warn repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Now therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. So part one, verses one through six, God is the best potter. So one through six, again, God told Jeremiah, get up on your feet, go to the potter's house. When you get there, I'll tell you what I have to say. This, then, is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. 
Now, I am not an artist. <laughs> I will be very straightforward about that. <laughs> I studied math, also don't really use that, so I'm like neither, but <laughs> I don't have much experience in art at all. But I did do some research on pottery, and it was a very common craft to the Israelites. Um, they didn't have fancy technology or factories just to whip up plates and bowls and the things that they needed. Um, and they weren't like uniform, uniformly the same or things like that, but they needed these things to live. They needed things to collect water and to hold their food and plants. Um, so this was, pottery was just a really familiar craft and image to the people, um, to Jeremiah's audience. And it's laced all throughout scriptures, which I love. I'm so thankful for that. So um, have any, has anyone here actually sat at a wheel and made something out of clay before? Real close. Darby. I don't believe you, Alex. Anybody else? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Um, okay. How, okay. Okay. So how long, for those of you who have, like, on average from start to finish was the process, even if it wasn't at a wheel, a long time. See, I'm like, I don't have an, I don't know. I haven't done it, so I can't tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, even if you mess up, or you could think it's right, and then you mess up, and you have to start over, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, so I found an article with, like, an average pottery schedule. <laughs> and uh, it can take, like, about three weeks for a piece of clay to be completely finished. But I assume that that's just average. Like, it could be maybe a little shorter than that, but also could be significantly longer than that. Um, and, again, that's if you don't have to start from scratch at some point. Um, so... Yeah, that sounds awful. Also, <laughs> you have to like, like sitting at a wheel watching videos of people doing that, it does not look like an easy task. Like you have to sit in a specific position, I guess, maybe. I'm like, please, tell me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, but also like we have electricity to turn wheels now. They had to also manually, um, I think they had like, I don't know what they did, but they had to use their feet to like turn the wheels while they're like, shaping the clay. Um, so, not a fun time, I would imagine. <laughs> um, bless you who have done that. Um, yeah, it's incredibly tedious, patience requiring work, um, and I don't think I'm cut out for that. But it requires focus and mastery to actually successfully make a piece out of wheel. Um, so, Jeremiah walks into this house and sees a potter attempt to create a pot um, but it becomes marred, which is the word used in the version that I read. Um, but some synonyms for that word are spoiled and disfigured. So in the context of pottery, it literally means a lump of shapeless clay. <laughs> um, so the clay had become shapeless and was essentially not becoming anything useful. Um, yeah, so the, the potter had to start over again and start reworking what he was doing it. And he said in verse 6, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, like clay in the hands of the potter? So are you in my hand, Israel. So God claims the role of the potter here. And from what we just talked about, what all goes into pottery, God gives focus to every single piece that's at his wheel with mastery and patience. He's an artist. It's not just um, work for eye candy. Um, and sure, maybe now sometimes potters make things for decoration, um, but pottery was created for use to the Israelites. Um, I think a fancy term that is used throughout scripture is vessel. Um, and they're called vessels because they hold things. Like I mentioned before, they're useful items like water jugs, cups, bowls, plates, things like that. So God doesn't just go up to a wheel and start figuring something out once he gets there. He creates with purpose. He said the potter shaped the clay as seemed best to him. 
And the word potter in this passage comes from the Hebrew word yatsar. I think, I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but <laughs> which comes from the same root word as the verb used in Genesis for formed um, when God created all living creatures, including Adam from nothing. So when he's creating and forming his craft, it's in his very best interest. He forms people exactly how he wants them to be, and there is always good use for his creation. So what does this mean for us? What's the good news here? Um, this passage depicts Israel as the clay. Um, Israel had messed up big time at this point by breaking the laws God had set for them. They broke a covenant or a sacred vow. But God chose this image specifically to respond to that. Um, he's willing to... He's willing to put in the time and effort to reform the shapeless, spoiled clay. Israel doesn't have to be stuck in their sin or their broken covenant. God wanted to give them the opportunity to change. And I think it's important to note here that clay essentially can't do anything on its own unless something shapes it. But even then, yeah, something has to manipulate it for it to be useful. And I love step-by-step -step instructions. I'm like, please give me a formula. How can I love someone better? I don't know. <laughs> um, but if I'm, if I'm the clay here, like I can't do anything. I don't get to actually, I'm like, oh, make myself into a bowl today. I don't know. Um, but either God is the potter or I am. And I know if I was the potter, I don't think I would be creating useful things. I would be making either like things that just don't operate as they're supposed to, or it would just be for pretty things. I don't know, decorations. Um, yeah, but God, God will do it significantly better than I ever could. Um, this passage doesn't say we are all potters together molding some clay. Let me help you. Let's help each other. It says, I, the Lord your God, am the potter, and that's it. You're the clay. And that doesn't mean that we're useless. That means we get to be of use to people. We get to be the cup that offers fresh water to somebody else or a warm meal, a plate with a warm meal to somebody. But we don't get to pick and choose what we're shaped to be. And it takes time and patience, and it's a beautiful, beautiful mystery and process. But it's God's work, not our work, that changes us. And no good piece of pottery is complete without sitting in the burning hot kiln for a bit. So sometimes it's hard and disciplining to be shaped by the Lord. But he's willing to work with you wherever you're at. So are you willing to surrender to his handiwork or are you trying to shape yourself into maybe half what Jesus wants half what you want maybe you want to be someone who rejoices when your roommate or friend annoys you but somehow you still get petty um, or maybe you want to be selfless um, but when you're really tired it's okay for you to be cranky Maybe you want to be full of peace, but when chaos comes, you submit to listening to the world instead of God and spiral further into anxiety. And I'm not trying to invalidate anxiety by any means. I am there. I get it. This coffee is like three times as strong as Wiley's. And I took one sip and I'm like, I'm so anxious. So I get it. Um, but God calls us to throw off things that hinder us and make it worse. Um, and we are capable of staying off of social media if that's what's going to produce anxiety. Or even, like, I don't have to drink a really strong cup of coffee every day if that's going to make me so anxious and think lies. Um, yeah, so where was I? I don't know. Got on a tangent. I love coffee. Anyways, <laughs> but sometimes I look at this list of things that I want to be, and these are just some examples, um, and I just feel really hopeless that I'm never going to be that. I'm never going to be able to just not be cranky when I'm tired. I don't know. 
Um, but that's not true when we have God as our potter and our former and our creator. I think this gives us a message of hope that God is willing to rework his people over and over and over again and be a blessing through them even after everything that they've messed up. And this is really freeing to me that I don't have to keep trying to change myself when I surrender to the Lord and let him do his work. And this gives us hope after we time and time again fall short of God's will for us every time we miss the mark. And if we're willing to admit our sin and let God work in us, he can and he will change us. As a good potter would with any clay. Stuff's expensive, I hear, okay? So I don't think he would let that go to waste. He wants to use you. He wants to delight in you and create you into a work that will bless others. So if you feel like you're stuck in something and greed or lust or anger or whatever it may be, God can completely turn that around and still use you as a blessing. You are valuable to the Lord. He can and will make you a vessel if you allow him. God is the best potter there is. So with all of this, um, we're going to move on to the next portion. There are some conditions here. Um, God doesn't just offer help to us without anything on our part. So this brings me to um, 18 verses 7 through 10. And my point here is that God is the most powerful So 7 through 10 says, If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warn repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict disaster, the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. So what does this say about the heart of God? I know we just read a message about hope and God changing us and felt really encouraged by it. Um, And then we read this and we're like, "Ah, where to go? go?" I don't know. Um, But I don't think the message of hope is absent here. I think God is saying that he takes repentance very seriously. And if he sees a sign of turning away from sin, he's ready. He's ready to act on it and can turn things around so quickly. But he also takes disobedience very seriously. If there's no repentance, if there's no acknowledgement of fault, God can easily take away. He can and will change direction if people mess up over and over again and just don't do anything about it. And Like I said before, Israel was eventually exiled from the promised land because they broke the covenant and didn't respond to this call. And I don't think Israel had any real fear of God at this point. And God is very serious about his people and his intentions, and he's very powerful, and we need to have a deep sense of awe and a reverent fear for what he's done and will do. You see it in story after story throughout scripture he created everything that you see around us he led the israelites out of captivity in egypt to the promised land Um, and then he sent his son who then rose from the grave he did all of those things and those are only like a couple highlight points of god's power um but i would like to be on his side of things (laughs) considering that those in the most literal awesome things to have ever happened ever and we get to be on that side that's the side that we have the opportunity to choose in front of us and I think this is something we need to take into consideration when we're choosing how we want to live God gives us a choice but he also determines the outcome of that choice so what does this mean for us for God's people I think we have to remember what he's capable of. When we sit in our worldly ways, we put ourselves at risk of losing his favor. And we need to consider what outcome we want. Do we want God to save us from disaster? 
to reshape us after we've become spoiled clay? Or do we want to be thrown out because we've become such marred clay that we've become hardened? And I think because of this, we need to be aware of what we're doing. Um, we need community and friends to help us see our need for Christ. Because it's really hard to know everything about ourselves, but friends bring in a new perspective. And if they call you out, what response will you have? God can't really help us if we aren't willing to grow or change. God's will for us is to remain malleable or reformable in his hands so he can purify, sanctify, and make us like Jesus. And anyone who gets to the point where they become so hardened and are no longer malleable in the hand of God will be shattered without repair. But anyone who remains teachable, accessible to the Holy Spirit, God will make holy. And they will always be fresh and useful in God's hands. So how have you disobeyed the Lord? And what are you going to do about it? There's hope if you're willing to, you're like, oh, I messed up. That's great news. That's awesome. But if you don't think that you have disobeyed the Lord in any ways, are you open to a friend helping you see ways you've messed up? If not, why not? And this brings me to my final point, just 18, verse 11. Um, God is filled with grace. Verse 11 says, Now therefore I say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this, oh gosh, I don't miss that. <laughs> like how long do I wait? I don't know. I can keep doing You can hear me? Okay, go, go, go. I'm like, we're going <laughs> to. Okay. <laughs> Verse 11. Now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look. I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. Um, yeah, so what does this say about God? And my response to that is God is filled with grace. And you might be like, what? Like, there's a disaster here. Um, yikes, but bear with me. But I think this one verse, like, pulls it together tells you what he's trying to communicate to them, um, like very straightforwardly. Um, yeah, it's a warning to Israel because they had been so disobedient to them, but he couldn't be any more straightforward with them, and I think that is incredibly gracious. He could have just had these, like, rules in place in his head and not told them, and he's like, okay, like, if they don't quit, that's it for them. But he's like, no, <laughs> please do this so that I don't have to do like we don't have to deal with the consequences here um but he yeah he shared with jeremiah what would happen in both good and bad scenarios of repentance or disobedience and then he flat out tells israel where they're at he's like look this i've kind of had it like here's your chance um come back to me so he calls them to turn away from their sins and gives them an opportunity to turn around and start living righteously and I think that is so merciful. That is our Heavenly Father. He gives us free will, and he's giving as much warning as he possibly can to get his children to stay away from destruction. God doesn't want to tear them down. That's the last thing he wants. Back in verse 8, he says he will relent when a nation repents, which means to have compassion, to be moved to pity, and that's our God. So what does this mean for us? As his people, we have warning after warning, which is incredible. This is, the Bible is filled with scriptures that tell us what's going to happen if we don't turn away from our sin. And I think sometimes we can read that and be like, oh, like, that's gross. Like, I don't like that about him. Um, but it's so gracious. He's heartbroken over this and the distance that is created between us and him when we ignore his calls back to him he really wants the absolute best for us and he knows that sin leads to death and destruction and he longs for us to turn away from that so he protects us with warnings over and over yeah. 
He says, repent and I will save you. So what choice do you want to make? What side of this do you want to be on? If it's right in front of you and you know what the outcome will be, what decision will you make? Which one do you make day to day? Who is the potter and former of your life? You are God. And like I mentioned, it's really challenging to surrender everything that we want to have control over and all the things we need to live in our lives even. We really need help to do this. And that's why I emphasize community. Not only do we have community, but we have the Holy Spirit with us. The Israelites didn't get to have the Spirit with them. But the Spirit gives us power, love, and self-control, all things to help us entrust God with our lives. So to pull all of this together, um, this is supposed to be good news in the Old Testament, not have a pity party over how terrible of people we are. So please, I remind you, like, I don't want this to be a message for us all to, like, feel really bad and crawl into a hole or be like, ugh. You know, I share it to remind us that God is a powerful and gracious potter. He is the potter. We are the clay. His work can move us out of the deepest sin and broken lives and into beautiful blessings for others. He knew what was best for Israel, and he knows what's best for us. But he is a man of his word. If we disobey him without repentance, if we aren't teachable, We won't be able to grow. So listen to his gracious warnings when they come. Hear and recognize his call to change. Submit and surrender and embrace the grace of God. Yeah, so where am I going? You guys do homework here, which is awesome. Listen, I had a terrible attitude about that when I was a student, and now I feel bad. I'm like, (laughs) I don't think any group of pastors has ever cared so much about teaching me to love God with my mind. And I don't say that to, like, knock on the team that I'm on now or the church that I go to. I just think that's really unique and special. And so, I don't know, maybe you guys all love it, and that's awesome because I was not there. (laughs) But if you don't, take advantage of it because this will not be it forever if you, like, graduate and move somewhere else or... If you, I don't know, I think it's really sweet. So what I came up with was if you have access to a pottery wheel, I think you should create something at a pottery wheel. I think that would be really cool. I know that will be very time-consuming, and not everyone can do that. Um, But as you do that, I think you should ask God what he wants to teach you about his character. And if you can do that or have done that, For those of you who raised your hands, I would love to hear what God taught you um, through that process. And then, really though, broadly for everyone, I think it would be really neat for you to create something. It can be anything. Like, it can be a drawing, I don't know, or a a meal. I don't know. (laughs) Create something, anything. And as you're doing that, ask God to help you understand his point of view as our creator through that process. Um, And again, I would really love to hear how that goes for you guys. Um, So if you don't have my number, you can email me (laughs) at jacy at anyfocus.org. I really would love to hear it because I won't be here. I don't know how you guys like take homework. I'm like, turn it in at the end of the week. No, don't do that. But yeah, so I would, I think that would be really neat. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, great. Okay, I'm going to pray for us, and then I think Leslie will come up and do announcements. Um, God, I thank you so much just for this body and their humility and willing to explore the Old Testament and what that means for us. Um, I pray that you would really help each one of us to more deeply understand what it means to be your creation and Um, how you view us in that way. Um, Yeah, I pray that we would be willing to genuinely examine our hearts and be willing to turn and run into your 
arms that are just full of grace. I pray that we would really experience that and receive it. Um, Please help us to be good and malleable clay. And yeah, I ask that you would help us to recognize your work around us and in us. Um, Yeah, and I pray that this message this morning would leave um, Denton North with a message of hope and yeah, just a better understanding of your character. We love you, Lord. Amen. Yes, I am not Leslie. Sorry to disappoint y'all. Hey, um, so today we're starting something really cool, and I get the privilege privilege of being the first to kick us off. Leslie and Josh was like, all right, who's the most handsome person we can get up here first day? But Aaron was busy, so they put me up here. Um, so, no, but in all seriousness, I feel <laughs> really honored to be up here. Um, So we're going to be having someone come up every two weeks sharing their testimonials and hearing about how God has influenced their lives. So with that being said, let me get started. I'm going to be reading off of this because um, it's a lot. So here we go. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian household, but ironically was saved multiple times uh, over and baptized by the age of 13. Uh, Maybe I knew how big of a sinner I'd be, so I was trying to get ahead with the multiple savings. I grew up with a blended family. I have a total of eight siblings, three step, and five half, all of which either have known me since I was five or me knowing them from their birth. Because both my parents and my, uh, both my parents, my mom and my stepdad worked, I found myself in a a vacation Bible school my preteen years. I ended up going to a summer camp for a few years where I answered the altar call to give up to my life to Jesus at 10 and 11 and at 12. Um... Later, my little sister and I would go with our elderly neighbor to the local Baptist church where I was baptized. In all honesty, these significant moments were lost at me at this age, but retrospectively, I think it allows me to see the people God placed in my path. If I look back at my life, I see these people clearly, and I remember people like Chad Doty, Olivia Ard, Kristen Sheehy, Taylor Privet, Josh Robinson, Ryan Bristow, and Vianette, my wife. Um that really helped me in such a way, and small and big. Olivia, who could see my competitive nature, bet me that I couldn't read the Bible cover to cover. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert I still owe her $20 18 years later. <laughs> but I read a lot more than I had ever before. It gave me so many more questions, but allowed me to be even more curious about God's word. Kristen, who showed me that it was like what it was like to be faithful to her beliefs. She was one of the first people I can remember who really lived their beliefs externally and loved people as God loves us. Taylor, who kept inviting me to call and focus when we met at work, and I kept saying no until one day I finally said yes. I would always ask him to hang out after work on Wednesdays, and he said, hey, you can come to my small group. Um, he took me and, to his court, which was led by Chad Doty which Chad happened to be one of my first friends in middle school. These people God placed at the right times are just a few that really helped me on my journey. Taylor's continual presence and commitment to my spiritual health made me realize that I was not only yearning for true friendship, but also a desire to understand something bigger, even if I was not fully ready at the time. Josh, who I'd been friends with since he was a freshman, and he had always treated me with kindness And next to Vienna is a person who I've opted to live with as a roommate more than anyone else. (laughs) Ryan, who continues to be there whenever I need him and always there to talk and pray for me. I've I've also had the privilege of being close friends of his for 10 years. And Vienna, who I get to see with her struggles that I don't often understand, but I see her turn to God oftentimes for strength, and he has made her one of the strongest people I know. These people are just a handful in my life, but they come to my mind when I think of my spiritual journey. My life before Christ was selfish and self-satisfying. I was in an unhealthy relationship all of high school and some of college. My relationship with my family was always strained. I often lacked compassion. Some of you who know me intimately may be thinking, lack compassion? I thought you were talking about before Jesus, not now. Um, But I'm definitely rough around the edges. I'm not going to deny that. But Jesus has really shaped a lot of that to more compassion and love. 
Taylor started FOJ with me and really invested in my spiritual health. I remember one time him asking me what I thought about the song, Sung Focus, and I said something like, I, don't, I think it's nice that so many people come together singing together for the same purpose, but I don't know how I feel about it on a spiritual level. A couple months later, I couldn't resist the call and connection I was feeling to God and was singing God of Justice with my hands extended in praise. One of the biggest thoughts that um, brought me closest to God and Jesus was my upbringing. I was raised by my mom, and then my stepdad came around when I was five. Neither of my parents were affectionate physically or verbally. Um, by the age of 16, I probably had spoken to my biological father 10 times and met him once. Reading biblically the relationship Jesus had with his father and our God, even in his hardest moments, helped me see and feel connected to him. Uh, that I, I saw in that that I had my broken fathers on earth, but my heavenly father was perfect and consistent. And to be clear, my relationship with my parents have vastly improved as I have been shaped by the example Jesus has left, and they have continued to grow as well. I'll zoom through the good parts so we're not here all day, but I continue to go to focus after Colin at UNT, stayed committed, have been consistent at DNC since we were meeting at UNT, met some lifelong friends that I get to share my burdens and life with, as well as met my lovely wife, Vianette. I got to throw that in there, you know. Um... My apprenticeship to Jesus continues daily, even in these 12 to 13 years that I would classify myself in my Christian life. I have had hard times where I felt very close to him, very far from him, questioned him to sharing with people the changes he has made with me, within me. One of the things I do every day is just talk to God in my prayer. I have a conversation with him in my down times and allow it to be a normal part of my life. It allows me to feel his presence and connection with him. Yeah, so that's what I wrote. Thank you all for listening. Hello. Thank you for sharing that, Sean. One of the reasons that we asked Sean and John Smith to work on doing this for our body um, was so that we could know each other better, um, but also so we can hear the different ways that Jesus draws people to himself, and so that we can ask each other questions about what we share. So maybe you hear something in what Sean said that you really connect with, and maybe something that he said that he has found an answer for, but you're still struggling with, then you know he's somebody you can go talk to that's going to understand that personally. So like he said, we're going to be doing more of that each week, and I really look forward to getting to hear people's testimonies. Our goal is to get as many people as possible to share. JC, thank you for your sermon. And I just, I have to share this really quick. So I have been doing research on pottery, and so there is a thing called grog that is incorporated into pottery, and what it is is ground and crushed pottery pieces. And the finer they are ground and crushed, the more that they help hold the clay together into its new form. It prevents it from cracking, it makes it stronger. So I want you to think about, is there a time in your life where you have felt crushed? because sometimes we feel very shattered either by something that's done to us, just a circumstance in our life, or choices to sin can make us feel just shattered and crushed. And in Genesis 2, it tells us that God formed man out of the dust of the ground. God creates from dust. And when we feel like shattered pottery, that's good for nothing and it's just shattered as fine as it can possibly be, God can take that grog and incorporate it into a new piece of something that is even stronger and even more beautiful and even better than the first one. And so I just couldn't help but share that. When you were saying that, I was like so excited. I was like, oh, I know about this. <laughs> So thank you for your sermon on that and for reminding us of how God can mold us and make us into something better than we find ourselves at present. Yeah. 
So announcements, um, Spark is tonight, Denton is hosting. So at four o'clock at the uh, Senior Rec Center, that's where we're gonna meet. And then from four to six, we're gonna talk about rediscovering friendship in adulthood. We're gonna talk about it, we're gonna discuss it at tables, and then after that, we're gonna split up into groups and go eat dinner at different places here in Denton. So please join us for that tonight as we host people from all over the DFW area. Secondly, we're having a marriage conference on June the 4th from two to six. This is for newly married couples. It is for couples that have been married for a long time. It's for couples that are just looking for growth. It's for couples that may have some problems. And we're gonna have some uh, breakout groups into specific topics. And the location's gonna be determined by how many people sign up. So on Mighty Networks, there is actually a button that has a form for you to fill out. So if you're going to attend that or you're interested in attending that, please click that button and sign up. Next, we're having a prayer meeting this Thursday. This is our shepherd's prayer meeting that we have each month. It's gonna be at seven o'clock outside the senior center. And we're gonna be splitting up into groups and walking the area and neighborhood around the senior center and praying as we prepare to move to our new space there. So everyone is welcome. If you have something specific you want us to pray for that night, whether you can be there or not, there is a link that you can go to on Mighty Networks and put in what your prayer request is, and we will pray over that as we're walking that night. Um, save the date. We have two baby showers we want to put on our save the date. One is for Adrienne Hausman, and hers is going to be Saturday, May 27th at 2 o'clock. It's going to be at the Bristow's house. And then one is for Reagan, and it's going to be Saturday, June 11th, and it's going to be at 1230. Did I say that wrong? Is Adrienne's on Sunday, or is it Saturday? Okay, so both are on Saturday. No, Reagan's is on Sunday. Okay, I just wrote it down wrong, sorry. So make sure you get both of those dates in your calendar and save those, and there'll be more details forthcoming. And then don't forget about giving. You can go to Mighty Networks, you can set up a recurring gift or make a one-time gift through Tithely or through Venmo, either one. And now the most exciting announcement of all, instructions for next week when we move. We're going to be at the Senior Center, which if you don't know, it is, we are on Bell, this street out here. It is right down Bell, that direction, probably maybe a mile or less from here. So we're not going very far. It's between the Convention Center and the swimming pool. So that's the area you're looking for. You want to park in a space either in the parking lot there or there are marked spaces on the street. If you run out of parking spaces, we'll have people kind of out um, and about, if it's not raining, out and about in the parking lot that can point you in the direction of where you can find further parking. Be there at 9.35 to help us get settled into our new place and so you can kind of look around and familiarize yourself with where the bathrooms are and where are we meeting and where are the kids going and all that good stuff. And then this is crucial. Bring your own coffee cup. Bring your own coffee cup if you want coffee. We will not have coffee cups and be washing them every week anymore. You will bring your coffee cup, get your coffee, drink it, take your little cup home, wash it, bring it back the next week. Okay? We have no kitchen access in our new facility. So this is how it has to be if you want coffee. We will have um, disposable cups for any guests that we have with us because we don't want them to be caught off guard and not get their Sunday morning coffee. Um, and then after church next week, we're going to have a picnic on the grounds around the senior center. So either bring your own lunch from home or be prepared to run pick something up really quick after church and bring it back. Um, there is a pavilion 
that is um, behind the senior center. There are bathrooms out there, so we'll have access to all that and we'll kind of gather around that pavilion is where we'll actually do the picnic. Bring a chair or a blanket. This is a harken back to when we met outside during COVID. Everybody should have chairs or a blanket from then, so bring them with you so you'll have a place to sit. Any questions about next week? Okay, we're very excited for you guys to see our new facility. Okay, anything else that I missed? Anybody send me an announcement that I didn't get? Okay, let's pray, and then we will put up the chairs and be on our way. Uh, God, I just thank you for um, JC and Alex joining us this morning. I thank you for the sermon uh, that you gave JC to share with us and for the good news of Jeremiah, for the good news that you're our potter, and for the good news, God, that you take our disobedience seriously, but you also take repentance seriously. Yeah. And I just pray that, uh, that we would remember that and that we would let you uh, form us and make us into something good and strong and beautiful. I pray um, for our move to the Senior Center. I thank you, thank you, thank you for the time we've had here at the Greater Denton Arts Council, yeah. for providing this place for us to meet, for all the work you've done on our body while we've been here, for the ways that we've been able to grow as a body and connect as a body. And I just pray that as we move to the Senior Center that you would do even greater things than you've already done and uh, we just look forward to seeing what that's going to be. We just love you so much, and we thank you for the way that you care for us. We thank you for the way that, um, that you grow us and that you convict us. Yeah. Um, we just love you a lot and pray that as we go throughout our week that we will look to see where you're working and we'll join you in that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.